Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Kill the Cast. Uh, today, I am only joined by Kenneth because... Kenneth, why is Jay not here? He's doing his exorcist impression. Projectile vomiting. Nasty. Yep, Jay unfortunately could not be here um, due to, to sickness. Um, we hope he feels better. So that means we are not doing... Creature from the Black Lagoon, that'll actually be the next episode, but Kenneth and I decided, well, let's just get on here and talk about a few topics, we're not going to review a movie, we're just going to talk about a few things, so we can have something out, Um, so that's what we're going to do, and Kenneth, do you know what day is coming up? I do believe it'd be Friday the 13th, sir. Yeah, in January, which means there's an alien somewhere in the ice and it's going to come up and for some reason have a hockey mask on that'd be cool yeah john carpenter's friday the 13th awesome oh yeah and technically to reiterate technically it would be a reagan impersonation for any of you assholes out there to stop y'all even in your tracks before you put comments saying oh he got it wrong by saying the exorcist impersonation Wait, yeah, you got to get them before they start. That's that's the way to do it. So, because it's Friday the 13th, our, our coming up, our first topic is going to be just bullshitting about Friday the 13th. And, uh, Kenneth, right off the back, what is your favorite Friday the 13th movie? Part 7. Part 7, The New Blood, the introduction of Kane Hodder, the man who uh, has played Jason more than anyone. Yep, very true. And a lot of people rag on me for that because people think it was stupid. You know, the whole idea behind, uh, you know, the girl with the uh, telekinetic powers and yada, yada, yada. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Jason looked fucking badass in that one. The, the That was, to me, the, the best for the zombie to the extreme. Uh, I thought his mask looked wicked as fuck. As a matter of fact, I've even got a, uh, a replica uh, handmade by a buddy of mine. Uh, that looks amazing for that particular mask. I thought it was a great movie. I don't know. I don't understand why so many people bitch about it. I don't either, but I, I think most of the people that bitch about it probably hate the entire zombie Jason uh, section. Anything like you have this core of people that only really like Friday the 13th part one through four. And then they hate five because Jason's not in it. Spoiler alert. Jason is not in part five. In case you didn't know, <laughs> that he is not there that is not him uh you you, you you thought wrong it's not jason um and then part six you have the birth of zombie jason which is what you saw in six seven eight and ten and i won't get into nine and i guess uh, uh jason versus freddy was also zombie jason um but yeah, you have a lot of people that don't like those. And out of the zombie Friday the ter- uh, zombie Jason Friday Thirteenth movies, I would probably have to say Seven's my favorite. Also, it uh, it's it's just entertaining from start to finish. It's not like because I like um, Jason Takes Manhattan, but it's not as good as Seven. And as for Six, I thought. Six is really good as a dark comedy. To me, six is like the what would be the borderline PG thirteen Jason movie. Yes, you're you're right on on that, and that's and I don't know. It, it, I have no problem watching it. 
It's I mean, not, it's fun. Yeah, I wouldn't skip six, but I just think seven's better. Right. I mean, like I said, it's like the – I look at it – don't get me wrong. I think the director's uh, turn towards the gothic mixed with comedy was really good for part six. But when it really comes down to it overall, I look at part six as kind of the watered-down version, the one that's made for the masses. And if you watch any of the interviews, he even says it. You know, he put jokes in there specifically for the masses of people that go see Friday the 13th to find funny. Yeah, and 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 that this is coming from me. I'm actually – my favorite Friday the 13th is part four. I think it just – it has the best story. Um, I really like the characters. Like, it has a, like, solid beginning, a solid middle, and a solid ending. It has one of the best endings in the series to me, period. Um, and, and the birth of Tommy Jarvis, who's the only other person who becomes like a reoccurring character in a couple of the movies. Like, I just think, I, I think four is like the best movie wise. That's my second favorite out of the whole series is fourth. You know, I was thinking about this and, uh, I was trying to think of what my second favorite is. And I was having a really hard time because for some reason, I keep wanting to say five because five is is not the best Friday Thirteenth movie, but it's it's so entertaining to watch that you have really like interesting and fun characters, and to quote um, Jamie of the Skeleton Crew, you you don't even know it's not Jason until the end. So the whole well, it's not Jason. If that ruined the movie for you. Can you at least like admit that the movie was good up until the ending? I mean, come on. It like it had like Demon was the shit. Literally the shit. I think it had I think it had good kill scenes. Um the unfortunate thing about me is and a lot of people won't believe this, but I'm such a huge movie fan in general that when I watched this for the first time, I was watching it with my mom and my mom knew that it wasn't Jason, but she never told me. And I said it before anything else. Right when I saw the mask for the first time, I was like, that's not Jason. Oh, and wait, I knew you, it. You don't think Jason can go in? Is it because you see the actual nope. Jason mask in the like in Tommy Jarvis's um, delusions? Or was it no, just it, flat it, out? Just, you're it, like, there's no way Jason found a new mask or bought a new mask. This isn't Michael Myers. He doesn't just go change out mask. It's not it's not the point of fact of that. It's more of two things. Uh, number one, my first thought was continuity. You know, that was that was number one was continuity. And it proved solid throughout the rest of them, because in part six, he gets the same kind of mask and it pretty much runs uh, until that horrible travesty of Jason goes to hell. And well, I take that back. Uh, he gets a new one in eight, but it, but in Jason takes Manhattan, the new one that he gets almost except for that yellowish tinge looks like the other one. Uh, but the blue lines that were on the side of it, I don't know, man, as a kid for the first time, right when I saw it, I knew, I just knew that that wasn't Jason. I, I just, I just picture, I just picture you as a kid going, mom, the fuck is this? We all know Jason's a blood. He ain't cripping. Yeah, something like that. But no, I, I remember when you I know? first watched it, I thought it was weird that the Jason that's doing the killing has blue lines, but the Tommy Jarvis delusions 
is is showing the red mask and i thought that tommy jarvis was the killer like they did actually a really good job of like putting it that tommy jarvis was the killer so like i kind of knew it wasn't jason my first time watching it because i was like it's tommy jarvis he's the killer and like to be honest that would have been way better than the ending of the uh ambulance driver or the paramedic it being him because who saw that and was like who the f- i didn't know who the guy was i had to like rewind it and be like who is this guy i don't like i couldn't google anything at the time it wasn't that wasn't available i had to rewatch the movie and be like oh it's the paramedic it was like like cuz they told you they were like it was his son and i'm just like who who are we talking about still? Like, even though they they explained to you because they have to explain to you, I still had to go back and and watch that. So I think the biggest fault of the movie was not making Tommy Jarvis the killer. I agree. I think Tommy Jarvis should have been, but you know, I mean, and and I doubt at the time they were thinking up thinking about setting up part six, but I I think it would have been, I think it would have been a great move forward for the Friday the 13th series because you actually could have taken the actual Jason out of the out of the picture completely and that's kind of what if I'm not mistaken that's kind of what originally I think they wanted to do from this point but Tommy Jarvis would have been a logical that I think every everybody in the audience for Friday the 13th would have accepted more than just this ambulance driver getting pissed off about you know his kid getting hacked up and then that just being it, I think they would have accepted it more had it been Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, I agree. And like, because let's be honest, Tommy Jarvis in that movie was annoying. No one liked him. So it would have made perfect sense to make the one character in the movie you just absolutely hate be the killer. Like it would have worked like just, oh man, just thinking about it, how if that if they would have done that, I think it would have went down as one of the best Friday the Thirteenth movies to ever be made. Maybe not above four, but really, like looking back, it would have been really good. But if they would have done that, would we probably would have never have gotten Zombie Jason? Probably not. But it would have brought a better psychological aspect to the series in general. I think that if they had done that, it would have kept it in the slasher in the slasher theme. But it would also brought other psychological aspects of it too. Yeah, it would have, especially if um, at the end, like Tommy, like Tommy Jarvis gets revealed, but like doesn't get captured, so that he can continue doing this. And and honestly, they couldn't have done that for another four or five movies. But they could have done at least one more movie, and it would have been like, it would have been really interesting, especially because with that next movie, now that you know Tommy Jarvis is Jason the psychological effects they could have done and the social commentary they could have done of what happens to the victims of serial killers. Like, like they could have went into a, a like in a, almost a Henry portrait of a serial killer route to where we would have had a Friday the 13th movie that even like Robert Ebert would have to sit down and be like, well, you know what? It's actually a really good movie. Right. I mean, it could win. I mean, you could have took it completely, you know, like I said, it still would have had slasher nuances to it, but you could have brought it into a completely whole new realm if you'd have went that direction. But either way, 
the uh, the direction that they chose to go in was still entertaining, and it brought us up into, if I'm not mistaken, the next Friday the 13th movie will be the 13th movie. Yeah. And, and let's also talk about Friday the 13th Part 5 had the chick with the hottest rack. That's true. She, and, and like, I, her death with the shears in the eyes was brutal, but her boyfriend getting the belt wrapped around his head and then like the stick, like tightening it. Oh man, that the aftermath that of that, like when they show the photo of like just the dried hard, hardened blood around his eyes. Brutal. Yeah. I've actually tried to in, in, in my, uh, absolute just horrible moments of, you know, reacting or re well, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reenacting some of this shit from these movies. I thought to myself, man, how bad that would suck. Oh yeah. That would, in that movie has great kills. It has like, like in the whole, like the characters, oh, like oh, demon. Oh yeah. And that takes me back to uh demon. <laughs> what a way to go. You boys got some diamonds. What a way to go, man. I mean, think about it, dude. Being in the shitter. Oh, those chimichangas. Yeah. Oh, it was enchiladas. It was enchiladas. Oh, yeah, it was enchiladas. You're right. I was, I've got Deadpool on the mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> oh, man. But he was so interesting. And, like, even um, even Reggie the Reckless was was kind of entertaining. Like... And then you had the kid that stuttered, and then the the blonde haired chick who just who was dancing all the time. And her kill originally was going to be much more graphic. Have you seen, like, yeah. like the they originally were going to have like the machete going up between her legs, and I'm just like that would have been brutal. And like, and I think if they would have done that one, this movie might have gone down as having like some of the most brutal kill scenes. Well, I mean, it, it's also got you know aside from the fact of. The, uh, uh, hang on just a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. Aside from the, uh, it not being, you know, being known as Jason, not being the killer, it's known as one of the most, uh, well, I wouldn't really want to say raunchy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's known for being oh. that because, because the director is a, you know, the director was a porn director before he started, before he made this movie. Yeah, and also the the um um uh Ethel, was that her name Ethel? Just just cussing a storm constantly. Don't I make the best fucking slap? Would you shut the fuck up? Was that this one? Yes, that was this one because she comes to the nut house all the time talking about how these if next time Right, right, house, right, right. Yeah, like her cuz Oh my god, it's hard to not get some of them confused cuz some of them got the same type of reoccurring character. Yeah, you're right, but she was fantastic and I love the way her son died. Growing up, her son's death was one of my favorite deaths just like the idea uh, doing donuts in the yard and getting your head cut off. Yeah, just just machete out the out the tree. Like Jason is just hanging out in a tree, like a cat, just hanging out in a tree, and just sticks a machete out and, and decapitates someone. I thought it was it was definitely one of those that I can always remember. But like I said, it's hard to. There's certain characters that are so much like other characters. Like I always get. Um, 
dude from the first one. What was his? Uh, what was the crazy old dude from the first one? Uh, cr- uh, uh you're talking about the the guy play who? Uh, uh, was it Fred? Something like that. You're all gonna die. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. You got like the same dude. Not exactly, you know, obviously, but the same t- same dude character in the in the first, you know, three movies. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of hard to separate certain characters sometimes because all of it kind of bleeds together. But uh, I will agree with you that I think Five had some of the best kills. Yeah, I think people should rewatch Five and get over the fact that uh, it's not Jason. Like I, we've talked, I think we've talked about it before on this show that sometimes the horror community gets really stuck on who's playing who and this and that, and like people, you know, can't accept a Freddy Krueger without Robert England or you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say that you know there were other good people that played the actual Jason character. My favorite just happens to be Kane Hodder. I think Kane Hodder brought the best uh, personality to the Jason character. And, you know, he brought the best mannerisms. I think he gave it, I I think he gave more, uh, he got past that whole, you know, rigid kind of walking, not really Frankenstein-ish because you don't really see that. But, you know what I'm saying, that rigid kind of walk. He gave, he gave, you know, life to this character. And, and, and that's the reason why I, I appreciate Kane Hodder, and I think he was the best one, and I think he should carry it on all the way up until now, except for the remake, because I always believe that a remake should have a different person. But, uh, you know, uh, I think Kane Hodder was the best one. But I agree with you on the same thing. I mean, it's just like like I said, I think a remake should have a different person. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, man, when they made that one, you know? It wouldn't it w- it wouldn't have been a a remake or a reboot if Robert England had played Freddy Krueger. It wouldn't be. It'd be just another one to add into the into the series. Yeah, and and at this point, like, the only movie I want to see Robert England do is a Three Thousand Maniacs. Right, and I mean, like uh, like Derek Mears, man, Derek Mears that played Jason in the Friday the Friday the Thirteenth remake. That dude did a fucking phenomenal job. I thought that movie was awesome. And then I've met the dude in real life. He's a great dude. Yeah, I, I like the movie, but uh, some of the some of the lines are super cringeworthy. Like, whoever yeah, wrote well, the script could have done a better job. Yeah, well, when it comes down to it, the Asian dude took the fucking, took the cake for the movie anyway. What do you mean? He, he, man, out of all the characters besides Jason, he was the he was the best. Oh, okay. Because I was about to say, I thought you were saying that he had the worst lines, and I'm like, do nah. I need to bring up stupendous tits? No, nah, he, hey, man, his the Asian dude, he was great. Yeah, he but was. then again, I I fell in love with that guy as an actor when I watched Disturbia. Disturbia, what's that one? That's the one that's got Shia LaBeouf in it, and oh, he's the uh, yeah, kid yeah. on House Arrest next door. Yes, dude, that movie was good. Like, I I love yeah. that movie. I thought um, it was great. You know, it, but. Well, the, <laughs> the Asian dude was in that one too. He's You're like, right. man, I've been locked in. I've been locked in this closet for like six months. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's ironic to me that uh, you said that Kane Hodder playing zombie Jason had more personality to his Jason than the people who played the living Jason. 
I just think it's hilarious because, I mean, you have a point. I agree with you. Like, I think Kane Hodder just plays a Jason I can get behind. Like, like there's a there's a, a force to be reckoned with. And as to where I feel like a lot of the other Jasons, even the Ted White Jason, uh, is, is a little lacking in personality. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, going back all the way to part two, you know, you look at all of them. And everyone has their good points. But, like I said, Kane Hodder brings the most to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, he created, to me, the most iconic Jason that we all know today. Everybody remembers the Jason with the really deep breaths and the sinister, you know, uh, looks behind the mask and the head movements and everything dude the dog head tilt like he when he tilts his head like a dog does right like he turns something that i find adorable terrifying exactly you know and 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 when i say the the sinister looks like i don't care what anybody says uber jason look bad as fuck oh you're talking about jason x yes dude he looked fucking mean as shit i was when when he when he stood up or whatever he did, it right after he was, you know, made, you know, by all the uh, by the little things, you know, when he was done that man, and they stood, and he stood up, man, I was like, oh hell, it's on now. Yeah, though the only uh, death in that movie that really, really stands out to me is the the frozen face uh, face smash. I, I I really enjoyed that one, but I still find it funny the VR thing. Oh yeah, the 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 camping one. Yeah, where that where where Jason fucking slices them up. No, it's not the camping one. It's where the it's where the two guys are fighting the aliens. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought you were talking about when he when he does his uh, slamming them against the tree. <laughs> I just found it funny in the one that I'm talking about where Jason he like he comes through and he slices them up with a machete, and then they're still talking and everything after he slices them up and he's looking at him like. What the fuck? What's what's going on? <laughs> Y'all are supposed to be very dead. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I don't understand. This has worked so many times before. Right. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, mixing the uh, the little bit of sci-fi in there was actually a breath of fresh air. Jason X isn't the best movie, but it's a nice little popcorn film to just kind of sit back and watch. I wish they'd have went further with it. I, I I would have liked to have seen uh, where they went when he went to this second Earth kind of deal. You're right, dude. Oh man, can we get a, a Jason X dash two like we had Final Fantasy X dash two? Can we can we get a Friday Thirteenth like that? I think a sequel to the movie was written in a book. You want me to read? If you read all the time, don't try to lie to people. Okay, fair enough. So, but speaking of mixing of genres, let's let's talk about that. Uh, you have a particular issue with the genre thriller. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I, I still have not figured out why. I don't. It's not that I have a problem with that style of movie. I have a problem with the term. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you preferred mystery. While to me, I think what a thriller, almost every time I watch a thriller, it is almost always a detective story 
that plays up the horror, plays up a horror element. So instead of a normal cop getting drug dealers or something like that, it's a cop dealing with a psychopath, um, you know, so, or, or, or something like that. Whether you were looking at um, Seven, which is one of the greatest uh, movies of all time, Silence of the Lambs, which is a classic. Um, there was that movie Untraceable that was like yeah. that also, but it's, it's like if they're going to do a, a detective story with an, with a horror edge, it almost always gets labeled a thriller. And I almost feel like, do you ever feel like there's a little bit of shade being thrown at horror? Like, like with seven, for instance, has a huge horror element almost in the style of saw yet saw gets labeled as horror, uh, torture porn. And seven gets labeled as a thriller. Do you almost feel like they don't want to label it horror because that would knock it down a peg in the world of like, of, of, uh, how do I say this? Um, like they think it's going to lose respect if it gets labeled a horror. I think that, I think that some probably look at it that way, but at the same time, I mean, when it comes to seven, I think there are other movies that you could really pull that card on uh, besides just that one. Because I think with Seven, it's one of those. You got Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in it, man. And you know, Kevin it, Costner. I'm not Kevin uh, Costner. Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Fucking yeah. Kevins. Yeah, so you got those three. You know what I'm saying? In in, in this one in this one quote-unquote thriller, you, you know, you got those three in it. It was going to get watched regardless. You know, you uh, especially for the time period that it came out. Oh yeah, and plus, I you mean, know, David Fincher like did an amazing job directing. The cinematography for that movie is amazing because every shot is not there to look to to be. A lot of times when people talk about cinematography on the movie, they always talk about how beautiful it is. But with uh, Seven, the cinematography is there to enrich the storyline one hundred percent. And make you feel like you're there. It is happening. Like I feel like it's one of the most realist cinematographies cinematographies ever done. Because it doesn't feel like it has shots that are just there to be like, oh, that's so pretty. I think I think that entire movie had tones that were done with it. To it was I think to me it was one of the first movies that came out to use the tone of the cinematography to incite a certain emotion you know like um, when uh, and I'm sure there were others that did it but this is one of the first ones that have that key element to it that now we see all over the time uh, all over the place now you know like uh, a prime example of another one that did it uh, the matrix you know what I'm saying the matrix was always green um, and then you got this one which it was it always had that rainy dark but it was kind of like a a gray with a very like very very undertone of a crimson to it and then when you get further into it it gets it, it gets a little bit more lit up and then for some reason and, and and I'm trying to figure out what they were conveying about this but I don't know if you noticed it it got more of the warm orangish tones when Kevin Spacey re- revealed himself as the killer did you notice that I did That's when the sun came out I was going to say that um with cuz with the end of the movie they're in a bright field and right. the big reveal happens and like it, everything's bright and it's almost like 
just because you f- you f- okay um i'm gonna have to i'm gonna quote uh keith buckle of every time i die um and, and their new album they have um a lyric that goes uh you looked at what the light shined on but you didn't look at where the light was shining from that's paraphrasing he says it way more artistically but Mm. when kevin spacey shows up all of a sudden their mystery solved they've got their guy they see where the light is shining but they're not looking where the light was shining from and you're right i mean you know i i that maybe because when I said it, it kind of came to me that you know the sun came out when he revealed himself. You know, almost like uh, the the end of the dark days is over. But you know, when you get further into it, it's not. And I think that goes perfectly with the the paraphrased lyric that you were using from every time I die. So you know, I think it goes perfect with it. But it makes perfect sense. And the end of that movie was fucked up. Yeah. And you know, I just saw about this. It's really weird. Every time I die actually uses the clip um, where Brad Pitt's wife says, I hate this city on their first album on the first album. I think it's the first song emergency broadcast system. They use the, the clip of her saying, I hate this city. Well, you know, we're talking about horror movies. We're not talking about. Every time I die. No, I just thought it was funny because I used that lyric to explain. I used a lyric from them to explain. Right. Uh, but your met- the metaphor. I don't want to get into the puzzles of every time I die because I'm pretty sure there's some extreme underlining shit in their da- in their lyrics. Yeah, but but you're right. This movie does go from like really dark to really bright, even though the brighter it gets does not mean the happier they get. You think they're going to get happy because they found their guy. Morgan Freeman can retire. And then they find out that's not true. And it has one of the darkest endings of a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I was blown away by it the first time I watched it. I was like, wow. Yeah, that is. Um, and, and I got to. I mean, like to me, the like you can't call that movie a horror movie. But it definitely borrows heavily from horror tones. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the way I look at it, that's what I see it as. I see it as a mystery. It's a detective story. That's exactly what it is. It's just a fucking wicked fucked up detective story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, uh, did you ever see that movie? There's two of them. Did you ever see uh, one is uh, it's called Horseman with Dennis Quaid in it? No, I've never seen that. You should watch it. It's the same kind of deal. It's a it's a it's a mystery kind of thing uh, where he's like this detective and he's trying to figure out this story and it, it gets real weird and fucked up at the end of it. And then the other one is. Oh, uh, it's got dude from um, from Highlander in it. And this guy is like building. Jesus Christ out of body parts. What? I yeah, need, I need I, to see that movie. You need to remember the name of that. Hang on a minute. Can I Google Jesus Christ body parts movie? You can Google Highlander and go from there. Uh, yeah, that's true. But like, um, and I I love detective movies. Um, I'm a big big fan of them. I like Law and Order SVU. I like the darker side of detective movies. Um, and I, I was gonna bring up like like my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is Eight Millimeter. 
which is a really that, that is, that's a really good movie. Yeah, that's a really really dark movie too. Like, yeah, it's a fucked up movie. Yeah, it gets it, that. Oh man, that is a movie that I can't. Was Joaquin Phoenix in that? Was he? I don't remember Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, um, your dude uh, from Walking Dead is in there, Norman Reedus. For I swear like Joaquin. for one scene, I can't remember if Joaquin Phoenix is in that movie or not. I can't remember him playing anything. I think no, he was. The, I could swear he was the dude that worked at the porn store. Oh, you're. Ooh, was he? You know, know the dude, the, the dude in the leather pants that worked at the porn store that was helping him find the. Uh, the only way that he really could find the movies. Yep, you're right. That was him. That was Joaquin Phoenix. He's a good actor too. He's super, super good. Uh, but yeah, man, like I love dark detective stories like that, which is like an eight millimeter and seven are probably my two favorite. Which I mean, seven is obviously the way better movie, but eight millimeter is still really, really good. Did you figure out that movie yet? Um, hang on, there. I'm looking. Damn it, man. I know it was fucking Christopher Lambert. Uh, there it is. Make sure it's a resurrection. Chicago homicide detective John Prudhomme and Andrew Hollingsworth are assigned to investigate a gruesome murder and both become entangled in the plot of a serial killer whose goal is to recreate the body of Christ. Wow, I've got to I've got to look that movie up. It was cool, dude. I I really enjoyed it. It's gory as fuck, um, but it's called uh, yeah, it's called Resurrection. It's got I'm, Christopher Lambert in it. It's good. Yeah, I've got I've got to check that out because I, I that is awesome. Um, and like when you talk about mixing of genres, um, I think besides the thriller genre, which to me is a mix of uh, I guess mystery and horror. Like, I love the mixture of sci-fi and horror. Yeah, like Alien. Yeah, well, one day we're going to have a show, and I'm going to say it now. One day we're going to have a, a show. What is the best sci-fi horror? Alien versus John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm repping John Carpenter's The Thing. You better believe it. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. we gonna... That's a good battle right there, because Alien was fucking awesome. Yeah, I think we're going to bring, like, we got to bring, like, a fourth person on that show and try to see if we can even it out where we have two people representing Alien, two people representing John Carpenter's a thing. Yeah, even when you get into, even when you get into a battle just between Ridley Scott and John Carpenter, man. Uh, because, you know, because, because, you know, Ridley Scott went on to do, you know, big, huge fucking production shit. But John Carpenter stuck to his fucking roots. And, you know, even though he did a couple of things that were out of the genre, he still stuck to his roots. So it's kind of like, you know, oh, dude. Yeah, because Ridley Scott did Blade Runner and I love Blade Runner. And John Carpenter, like, like for John Carpenter, the only movie I 100 percent need by him is the thing i can leave everything else he's done as long as i have the thing fuck that shit dude they live was amazing it was yes you're right it was good but like 
as long as I've got the thing, all is right in the world. I th- I think like because of the thing. Well, I can say the same thing about Ridley Scott. I could I could go without watching any of the rest of his movies as long as I had Alien. Even Blade Runner is like. See, for me, it's Alien and yeah. Blade Runner. I love Blade Runner. Don't get me wrong. But I could go without watching Blade Runner if I had Alien. I'm more partial to Alien. Okay, hold up. I'm about, I'm about to hit you in your non-horror feels. You saying you could leave your boy Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator behind? Yes. Really? Yeah. I'm going I'm to like, tell Joaquin I like Phoenix. The, I like Gladiator, and I thought, hold you on, know, I, and I like no, Joaquin hold Phoenix. On, I'm calling Joaquin Phoenix right now. Hold up. <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah, Phoenix now. Yo. Uh, Kenneth <laughs> said he could leave Gladiator behind. Um, he says you were better in signs. He says uh, you're a terrible rapper, and that documentary you did about it was a waste of his time. And uh, he doesn't even find you that attractive, even your eyes. Yeah, that's what he said. Okay, I'll, <laughs> all right, I'll tell him. All right, peace, love, and chicken grease. He said, "Fuck you." But, you know, all bullshit aside, Gladiator was a good movie, but it's not one of those that I am I was ever head over heels thinking it was the greatest fucking thing in the world. Hmm. So, uh, what would you rather have then, Alien or The Thing? I don't know, dude, because, damn, both of them are great isolation movies. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think Snow is a little more creepy than just space itself. But then again, if you look at it real, you know, from a realistic standpoint, you know, there's really nowhere you can go in space. Um, so, well, there's like really a, nowhere you can go uh, in Antarctica or the North Pole or wherever the fuck they're at either. Like, where are you going to go? You're going to die. You got more of a chance of being rescued in Antarctica on the same planet as human beings than in the middle of space. Uh, you have a point there, but like. How long are you going to last in that cold? Uh, I mean, I agree. But, you know, I'm just saying. That's the way I look at it. You know, you got the big, vast universe, and then you've got the world. Okay, the, fair the, enough. Okay. But my point is, is that, okay, both good isolation movies. Great for that. Done by two fucking fantastic directors. And from special effects standpoint, man, you got to give credit where credit's due. The fucking alien, the shit popping out of the fucking stomach. Uh, the droid, the all that shit, the fucking Nostromo itself. Oh uh, my god, all, yes. Dude, all that shit involved in Ridley Scott's. But at the same time, the fucking, the special effects of the thing and it changing and all the rest of that, uh, it, it was fucking, it, it was just profound for the time. So, dude, I'll be perfectly honest with you. In my personal opinion, I think they're pretty much evenly matched. Wow. I think... The reason the thing gets it for me is because it has a bit faster pace and is a bit more exciting as to where, like, I think Alien. Don't you know I like him slow burns. Yeah, you love slow burns. And I, I, I don't, I like Alien as a slow burn because it has a payoff that, that works. I love a slow burn if the payoff is there and Alien 100% does that. I just, I just have more fun and more it's more entertaining to me to watch the thing like to me it, it's it's 
You know, it's so funny how identical these movies are, and yet the complete opposite. One, everything's dark. The other one, everything's bright. You have a solo alien that's causing all of this. It is one alien that does all of this, and one where you you never know where it's going to pop up because you can't see it uh, very well in that atmosphere or in that... Uh, in in that spaceship, I guess, because it just it hides in with the pipes. And the other one, you never know where it's going to come from because it can be anything. Like, those movies are heavily identical. Um, That's kind of strange now that you think about it together. Yeah, but one's like a more black while one's a more white. Like, putting those two movies together, I, I really, I've never done it, but I need to watch them both back to back. I think I'll watch Alien and then watch The Thing because Alien came out first. And I think, yeah, I think I should watch it, Alien, and then that. And I, I can't remember how, what's the biggest similarities between the, 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 the two things? What's the, what's the biggest similarities between the, re, between the original remake? Or shit, how many fucking remakes have it been of that? Oh, you're talking about of uh, The Thing? Yeah. Uh, uh, besides the setting, the the alien's completely different. And uh, The Thing from Another World, um, they do find a crashed alien spaceship. They do take a block of ice out that has something in it. It does melt but it is a one it is a it is a humanoid alien thing that that is just really strong um and just like smacks like can smack someone and they would go flying across the room um the reason why i'm asking is think about okay put similarities to alien and that um, and see if ridley scott got cues from that movie uh, I'd, I'd have to say no. Cause just, I've been so long since I've seen it that I can't even fucking remember. I watched it during October. Um, and I, I'd have to say no because they don't, um, it's, it's more of your standard alien movie. It's one of the better ones, but it's still pretty standard as it's a alien on the loose, um, fucking up everything destroying everything in a but it's in a place where it doesn't know where it's at and it's it's probably more scared than than it should be um i john carpenter's the thing really took the 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 setting and took the the basic idea but adding that it can shapeshift into anyone um adding in there was isolation in the first one but they don't focus on isolation and isolation really doesn't work in the first one because they open doors constantly in that movie. It's an ongoing joke in that movie, like how much okay, they open yeah. up doors. And so I just don't think the ice. And that one didn't have Kurt Russell. It didn't have Kurt Russell or his beard. Yeah, you know, Alien awesome. didn't have Kurt Russell's beard either. Point to the thing. Just saying. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I don't think there's there's much there but it it still but it used... did have Sigourney Weaver's bush yeah but I mean I don't think that's you as could good see... as Kurt Russell's it, it, beard it is when you can see it through the underwear man when you see Kurt Russell's beard get a little bit of that snow on it that that whiteness laying in the brown you start looking at it it starts looking at you you start licking your lips he starts drinking whiskey talking to a computer who's beating him at chess, 
you, man, there is a feeling you can't describe. Yeah, I guess. But, so, you know, that's another set of those movies, man, that were, you know, uh, taking sci-fi and things and, and adding them together and putting the horror element to it. And, and the more you think about it and the more you spend time with it, the more movies that you can come with that have the mashup together. You've got all the fucking dark comedy movies that are comedy and, and horror mixed together. Oh, uh, yeah. De- I'm I mean, we could talk about those. Yeah, we could talk about those all fucking day. You know, I was at uh, Dave Z of Exploding Heads. He posted something today that was talking about how uh, how big uh, horror comedies got in the late 80s, like 1987, and how that that he thinks that might have led to the downfall of horror and gave us that horror of the 1990s, which was pretty terrible, especially 90 to 95. Hey, there was a couple of gems in there. Yeah, but I mean... Let's be honest. I mean, there, there's, I have a lot of horror movies that I love in the '90s, but that's because uh, we got, especially in the late '90s, we got a bunch of really shitty creature features, and I love those. I mean, but the '90s, you got Scream, you got The Faculty, which I enjoyed. The Faculty, dude, The Faculty is so good. Yeah, The Faculty was great. Uh, you know, you've got those two, Brain Scan. Um, I don't particularly consider The Crow to be a horror movie but apparently other people do um i mean it's an action movie that borrows elements of gothic gothic art and i guess you could say because he came back from the dead it uses a small horror element but i i I, that's like saying it's involved it's a cop story it's a detective story because he's looking for his family's killers and they ha- the killers just happen to be, you know, uh, drug lords. Yeah, to me, I just fucking, to me, that's just a straight up fucking action movie. It's an action movie with some badass fucking, you know, elements from others in it. But for the most part, it's an action movie. Yeah, it's an action movie that borrows goth, a gothic, a gothic element and not a horror element. Or that, that's I mean, I if you at. wanted... If you wanted to call it anything other than an action movie, you best the the best it's a comic book movie. Yeah, or I could even see it as a drama. Yeah. I mean, you know, but first and foremost over anything else is based on a comic book. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of those like a lot of movies borrow like it's okay to mix genres and sometimes it gives us some of the greatest movies out there. But but when you have to get down to saying, you know, what is the genre of this movie? I think you don't call The Crow a horror movie. You call it an action movie because the main genre it uses, to me, is action. Yeah, it's a great movie. And it's one of my favorites out of the 90s. I mean, uh, you know, it was it, it was one of those that I grew up watching. Um, there was a time period where I watched it every day. That's how much I was into it. And then, uh, when the second one came out, my very first date was, uh, going to see the second one. Well, that was probably a horrible date. No, it was a great date because I I enjoyed that movie. And then, yeah. Is is it the third crow that you hate? No, it's the fourth one. The one that has, uh, Edward Furlong in it. That's the most horrible piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. It was a travesty. Which one it was you, you just absolutely hated. 
It was a travesty. I thought it was. I, I I think that it should be omitted from any anything to that it even exists. It shouldn't be on IMDb. Shouldn't be on Wikipedia and the Crow series thing. It 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 shouldn't be in, even in Edward Furlong's repertoire. Nothing. It should just not exist. Wow. It was it was fucking terrible. I I absolutely hated it. I actually enjoyed the first three. You know, and and in that order, I think the best one was the first one. The next best one was the second one, and the next best one was the third one. So let's let's talk about feelings. You you just talked about how a movie made you so angry. Let's talk about how movies are supposed to make us feel. Let's let's talk about how movies can make you laugh. That's really easy. They can make you mad, whether you're angry at a character or you're angry that the movie even exist and you're currently trying to find the screenwriters so that you can shoot poison darts in another neck or that you're you're sad because you watched marley and me and you thought you were having a good time and then at the end of it it just punches you right in the stomach and you start crying like a little bitch um not that that happened to me happened to me it happened it happened to me i cried like a little little bitch i, I did and, and for all the people out there listening that that is a that's legit if you take the uh take the humor out of what jerry's saying you take it out of there that's legit that movie literally made both of us cry and neither one of us will ever watch it again yeah i won't i refuse to watch it um but a, but a movie can make you sad it can make you cry it can make you happy but uh kenneth and i were talking and i and i was like you know what feeling is the most important feeling a movie can make you feel Mostly because they almost rarely will ever make you feel it uncomfortable. When a movie makes me feel uncomfortable, I know that this movie has gotten so far inside me and has hit me on things. Even though I know it's a movie and I know it's fake, it makes me just like, uh, like I like I can't sit still in my seat. I'm having a hard time looking at the screen. I'm so. Like, just feeling with what's going on. And we were talking about this because I was talking about um, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left. And how that movie is one of the the movies that scared the living hell out of me the first time I saw it. Because I watched it at my dad's. I was there for the summer. Uh, He went away for the weekend or something for business. And I was there. And it was in a, in a pretty wooded area, and I watched that because he had it on DVD. And it uh, was the wrong movie to watch when you're 15 and by yourself in in a wooded area because I was terrified. You were 15? Uh, yeah, I want to say I was like 15 when I first saw that movie. Wow. And it got me, man. It freaked me out. It, it messed me up. But the scene... I'm not... I'm not I'm... You know, I'm not surprised at the fact that it wigged you out. I'm surprised at the fact that it was that late in life that you saw that. Yeah, well, I, that's not like I wouldn't say that's a common horror movie. Um, no, it was another one of those that my dad rented. Yeah, see, you got lucky, and uh, on that fact, you got to see a lot of really good horror movies early on. Um, which helped me out a lot when you and I started hanging out because then I got to see Cannibal Holocaust and Zombie and stuff like that. Um, but there's a yeah, well, it was I think I think me and Dad got on the got on a Wes Craven kick, and uh, the it started with Hills Have Eyes, and he wanted to go before Nightmare on Elm Street, so it started with Hills Have Eyes, and then I think right after that is when we, we got into. He was like, "Have you seen Last House on the Left?" And I was like. 
well, what the fuck do you think? And he was like, obviously that's a no. And so, yeah, the, he ended up renting that and I ended up watching it. And it, you know, it, it, that movie's fucked up. Yeah. There's a scene in it that sticks with me forever. And it's, um, spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, um, Krug and his, and his crew, um, are, are killing one of the girls and they're like kind of disemboweling her. And, uh, like right after they get done, like crew gets this look in his face like what the fuck did i just do almost like he has remorse for what he just did he's disgusted in himself and the other two people in his crew get the same kind of look on their face but but krug's is what sells it to me because it's almost as if i have to all of a sudden realize that this evil piece of shit is human and I'm human and the same thing I could, I could be him and I could be the same person. Like there is humanity there. There, He is not like a cold blooded, nothing phases him. Like this kind of got to him and he, he, he shakes it off, but there's right. still that one scrap of, of, of humanity in that. Maybe look. I took, maybe I took this shit a little too far. Yeah. And that yeah. that made me that look on his face made me so uncomfortable. I just like even thinking about it, it has me just kind of going like I I have a hard time putting it into words. All right, and and that goes into what I what I've said before, and I completely agree with your statement. You know what to me what makes the best horror movie is the one that gets underneath my fucking skin. And that movie got underneath my skin. And, and I've said it before on, on the podcast that it takes a lot to either make me run or to give me the willies or to, or to scare me or, or whatever because I've seen not only so many movies but so, many, so much crazy shit in my life. So, you know, for me to, for a movie to do that for me, I have to give the credit to the people that made the movie and, and, and writers and so on for, for them to actually convey that type of emotion, you know, to, to pull it out of me, to pull the kind of emotion to make you just feel fucked up and weird and, 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 and uncomfortable and, and just, Oh my God, you know, and, and for it to be like that, you know, it, it's a, it, to me, it's a great thing. Yeah. And that's what makes a good movie to me. And and we don't mean uncomfortable as in shock value uncomfortable. Like if you felt uncomfortable during a Serbian film, you're s- supposed to feel uncomfortable because it's it's done for pure shock. But there's but there's a difference in the uncomfortable feeling you get. Perfect example: um, a non horror movie, Boys Don't Cry. There is a scene towards the end of that movie. It's a rape scene, and it it makes you feel so uncomfortable and so disgusted at what you're watching, and it's supposed to. It's not. It's not made to look good. It's 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 a very jolting scene. It's and, because that that movie, you know, that movie. That's another one of those. It's just. I think I've only seen it twice in my life. 
and I really once was enough, you know, and, and it's not because the movie's bad. It's because it's that fucking good. Yeah. Because, yeah, because that movie is another one of those where it's like, you know, that movie is intended to, at that point in the movie, to make you feel fucked up and to make you question humanity and to question the way people are and 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 so on. And, and it does that. And it does its job perfectly. And it makes you feel... It's one of those movies that you you go on thinking about long after you've walked out of the theater. Yeah. It's, it's, it does such a good job of, of making you love the main character and feel the fight of the main character. And then to have something this horrific happen, happen so late in the movie, when you're, when you're invested, you feel for that character. You, you start to think, what if this has happened to you? What if you were put in this predicament? And what, like, how how would you react? How like like? And you, and I, as a as a as a straight white male, could never understand what the main character goes through. Like, I'm never, I'm never gonna gonna like get that. But I, I'm smart enough to understand. It and put and, and I'm and I can put myself close enough into the situation to have it hit. There's um a, a, one of the horror documentaries um I can't uh, uh Amer uh the uh that um, American horror red white and blue like do you remember that one was on Netflix? I think it still is. It might still be. If you haven't watched that, watch it. There there's a clip in there with one of the horror directors. Um, I, I I can't remember if it was Wes Craven or John Carpenter, um, but they were talking about how there's two types of horror. There's a horror that's out there somewhere, the mysterious, the 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 out there, and then there's the horror that's inside. That's us. We're that horror. And the, the this scene in Boys Don't Cry is a better horror scene than 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 seventy five percent of horror movies can do in their entire, you know, hour and a half runtime because it's a, it, a true real life horror. And I think that's why it makes you more uncomfortable. Just like in last house on the left, the real life horror is not what he did, but the fact that you see a scrap of humanity in his eyes that he has remorse and regret for what he just did. That is a true real life horror, right? And and it and it comes down to you know when you get to a point in in, in any movie when you get to a point where there's a level of realism in it that you start to question where the the, the borderline between the 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 creator of this movie's look at reality and look at fiction that uh, that to me is where 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 it comes to that limit of you know really getting under your skin like uh you know we very briefly talked about a movie called cannibal and this movie is one that we're going to dedicate a podcast to at some point in time and it's another one of those that is very difficult to watch and it's not difficult to watch because it's a bad movie it's difficult to watch because it's that goddamn good you know, it is probably one of the most realistic movies I've ever seen in my life. 
after I watched that movie with Kenneth in 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 the in his apartment, I was living with him. I immediately looked at him and I told him I would never watch this movie again. It is so disturbing to me because it hits on that real life horror. And uh, I'm going to watch it again. I w- I'm going to watch it one more time in my life for us to do a podcast on. And I'm going to have to take all my notes then because there is no, I'm not going to watch that movie twice in one week. I, I can barely watch that movie once per decade. Because um, it gets to me. And you know what? Some people, it's not going to get, just like some people watch a Serbian film or August Underground and it do- and you know it doesn't affect them. But it all depends on how you watch movies. Kenneth and I really get into movies so much so that um, we we get uncomfortable. I've had to stop movies because I was about to have a panic attack because they raised my anxiety so much that I've had to look at my fiance and say, "Sweetie, I have to, I've got to pause this. I, I need a break. I need to step away." And um, I get really into movies. I feel for characters. I put myself in their position. I. I really try to immerse myself into that movie. And Kenneth's the same way. Um, so there are movies that are going to affect us more than they're going to affect other people. Some people are going to be able to watch Cannibal from 2006 and go, Jerry, you're a little bitch. You are the tiniest of bitches. Uh, Guinness is on their way to give you a world record for tiniest, littlest bitchiest bitch on the block and i'm fine with that you can you can feel that way all you want if you watch it and don't feel anything that's fine i'm sure there's people that watched marley and me and did not shed a tear i don't know how they did it they're probably robots i'm gonna call will smith to come check them out (laughs) but uh I, i cannibal was really hard for me to watch it was really hard for me to digest it had it it Kenneth and I talked about the movie afterwards, and normally when we talk about movies, obviously we do a podcast, but if you catch me and Kenneth when we watch a movie together and we start talking about it right afterwards, it can get intense. It can get really intense if we go really into it. Like, um, There was a movie we watched together that was about finding Jesus' bones under a museum or something. I, I can't remember where I think it was like an archaeological dig, archaeological dig or something. They found the I can't remember where they were, but they found it was somewhere over around Jerusalem or something. And uh, they found the tomb that we all know the story that Jesus was in before the before the resurrection, right after the crucifixion. But the thing about it was, is when they went in there, we all know the story from the Bible is that after three days, Jesus rose and he went and did his thing. Well, in this movie, they opened it up and they found that his bones were still there. Hence, the resurrection never happened, which would, in in a sense, pretty much disprove Christianity as a whole. Yeah, and Kenneth and I had a... God, how long did that conversation go on? Two, three hours? It was something like that. It got it got so heated that me and me and Jerry couldn't talk to each other. Yeah, like his dad came over. His dad lived next door. He came over. He got into the conversation. Like so, when Kenneth and I like get into a movie, we get into it. For Cannibal, it was not a long conversation. 
No. It, you, there's it, not, it leaves everything on the table. There's not a lot to discuss. There's just a lot of going, holy shit, this happened. And I think, and the two things about this movie that I think, you know, when you were talking just a few minutes ago about people that will possibly consider, you know, you being a bitch or whatever else because of how you felt about it because they could just can't see it. I think that one of those factors is, number one, a lot of people will find it difficult just for the subject matter to be able to interject themselves into a movie like that. That's number one. Number two, people do not do well unless it's something like that that uh, openly exploits the fact that it's real. It like tr- faces a death or something like that. People don't they turn it into a level of entertainment where when it when it has that 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 amount of realism to it. They change it to a a, a form of entertainment to make it like uh, for lack of a better term the same kind of entertainment as it would be if you were watching uh, wrestling or something like that or watching MMA or some shit like that they turn it into that form of entertainment because they can't handle mentally whether it be a subconscious thing or on a conscious level they can't handle the level of realism that is there right in front of them so they immediately turn it into you know uh, they kind of psychologically immediately turn it into something that is more like uh, football or MMA or, or, or something along those lines. Yeah. You get what I mean? No, I completely get what you mean because, and, and in some, in some people, it just, it's almost like a defensive kind of deal. So that way they don't have to mentally deal with how realistic this is. Yeah. And some people have maybe have just gone through worse shit in their life and it's not going to affect them. Some people is not going to affect, um, just because it's not a scenario they're not going to be in. Like, there are some people that are just not going to... It, the movie's not going to bother them, period. Uh, my fiance Reese, watched it. It did not bother her at all. Right. And then also on top of that, you know, you also got to take into, into the into the uh, the argument about it is the fact that the shit that is in that movie actually happened. Yes, and this is not a... Um, done this isn't done in a way to hollywood it like they went as close as they could get to detail of the actual event they did not fluff this up because if i'm not mistaken from what i read about the case the dude that was in the movie that was the cannibal he videotaped well uh, yeah he he recorded what was going on and the filmmakers actually got to look at the footage and they made it as close to realistic based on that footage as they could. Yeah. And with that, we're going to leave this, this subject just because we're going to do a whole podcast on this. And I have a feeling like, I don't think this is going to bother Jay that much. Um, but it profoundly bothers me. Um, so, but, but you know, I'm going to leave that movie. But I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my statement on, oh, on, yeah. on I'm gonna leave that movie though. But it goes it's it's the same thing as if okay, you take the 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 hype and and the publicity that Charles Manson's got over the years. Okay. And people that that, you know, read the story of of Sharon Tate and and so on 
you know, you take the people that have done this and, and they've publicized it and they've turned it into, you know, this big media frenzy. Hell, I can't I, I, I can't sit here and say that I haven't got involved in it myself. You know, this whole thing on Charles Manson and whatever else, you know, you take that and people can't in- interject themselves into it. And then the, the level of publicity that has come around Charles Manson over the uh, since that uh, since the late 60s, you know. People have lost the fact of actually what happened was a horrible, horrible atrocity that happened at the time. And I'm guilty of doing the very same thing that I'm talking about. And when and and a couple of months ago, I went back and I and I looked into it again and I looked at the pictures that are online and it hit me. I interjected myself into it too far and the level of realism that was involved in it hit me like a ton of bricks and i was like wow that is fucked up and i think and i think anytime you because a lot of movies love to play the based on real real events but they're not actually based on real events like or they take a an idea of it and then blow it up in a completely different way so when like texas chainsaw massacre yeah exactly um so when you have a movie that's based on real real events or you read into like real life horror like read into like uh shit albert fish did like you look yeah. at real life horror like that hh holmes hh holmes he was crazy you look into this like um because like ed gein wasn't even like didn't even do anything that crazy compared to you know what jeffrey dahmer did um but it, it, it's still the fact that when we're looking at a movie, the more realistic the subject matter and the more realistic it's portrayed, the more likely it is to have a uncomfortable feeling inside you. And when a movie can actually do that, uh, standing ovation for me. That That right. is a movie I will like respect forever. Yeah, it's because we're the type of people that will actually let ourselves succumb to those feelings. And when we do, that's that's what it's made for. That's what a movie is. That's what that movie was made for, and it accomplished what it was made for. Yeah, and it's great. Um, so if you, like, for everyone listening, we would love to know your thoughts on what is what is your favorite thing about a movie? What what do you get the most out of it? Like what emotion does it hit on that makes you give it a standing ovation? Like what emotion are you looking to get touched when you watch a movie? For me it's if you make me feel uncomfortable, you're in like it's not like I have I don't even think I have Last House on the Left in my, like, it's not in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. It's probably in my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. So, like, it's not as if I'm out here going, it's the greatest movie ever made. But I will say it's affected me a lot more than almost every other movie I've ever watched. I hear you. I mean, and you know, different kinds of movies have that kind of effect, you know. Like, I love the way porno makes me feel. Yeah. Are you are you super into that? Are you? How does it make you feel, Kenneth? More porn? Yeah. Oh, I'm totally super into porn. I love porn. You know that. I know. 
<laughs> so uh, we're gonna let's end this with a with a quick conversation of of what movies are not on Blu-ray that need to be on Blu-ray in this day and age. Kenneth, what movies do you want on Blu-ray that just are not out on Blu-ray as far as you know? Someone might comment and tell us it's on Blu-ray, and if they do, I'll be super happy. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That movie isn't on Blu-ray? I don't think so. Wow, that's I'm not absolutely positive. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I know. Well, well, then it would have an HD. Here, let's see. Yeah, look that up. Um, I know for me... Uh, I'm really upset that Cabin Boy with Chris Elliott is not on Blu-ray. Like, come on, dude. That movie is fantastic. That is such an underrated gem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just got Salem's Lot, It, and Cat's Eye on Blu-ray. Can we please get Silver Bullet on Blu-ray? I need Gary Busey's high-definition teeth in my face. Shit, I need Rose Red. That, I don't care what anybody says. That movie was great. I would love to have that on Blu-ray. Was it was Rose Red done as a movie, or was it another one of those like mini series? It was one of those mini series on TV, but uh, uh, they put it out on DVD. Like it came out on DVD quick. So, and I actually own the DVD, so uh, it's bound to have. It, it should have had a Blu-ray release at some point, but. I don't think it ever did. That's one of those that I'd like to see. The hell, what else? Uh, uh, I'm not seeing a Blu-ray here, dude. That's crazy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's see. That's yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing a Blu-ray. I'm looking. That's Uh, that's crazy because that's a big movie, like. Like I would Cabin Boy not being on Blu-ray, I kind of get because it kind of flopped, but it's still an awesome movie to me. But Honey, I Shrunk the Kids not being available on Blu-ray, that is nope. That's not, dude. It's only on DVD. That is strange. Um, so Cabin Boy, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, um, Brain Scan, Brain Scan, uh, the Black Cat. Like Universal Studios, yeah, cool. can we get some of these old classic horror movies like Black Hat and and this Dark House? Well, that's on one Blu-ray? of those. That, that's one of those that I've never really, I've never really seen the point in having a black and white movie on Blu-ray. Dude, I, you know what? Um, we're uh, so we were supposed to put out a Creature from the Black Lagoon podcast, and we're still going to as soon as we possibly can. Um, and I've been and I I watched the movie on my Blu-ray, dude. It is so good looking. Like, I thought Creature from the Black Lagoon was a beautiful looking movie. My Blu-ray is is so pretty. It's not even funny. Like I've never watched a movie in black and white on Blu-ray, so I guess I'm going to have to just to see. Because that was the reason why I didn't buy the Blu-ray to kill a mockingbird. Because I, th- I was just like, why? Yeah, and you're but right. At this, it, and that's another one. They've got a Blu-ray of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Yeah, they they have a Blu-ray of of White Zombie with Bela yeah. Lugosi, but they don't have a Blu-ray of the Black Cat. That's you know, that's and, crazy. And, yeah, I mean there there are various others that it's kind of hard for me to think of a lot of them. 
Um, because I, they because they pump out so many Blu-rays. There's oh man, there there's some for me. Uh, there's a lot of Godzilla movies that still need to be put on Blu-ray that have only had DVD releases. Um, like Shin Godzilla, that needs to be put on Blu-ray. Like yeah, tomorrow. Funimation. Um, yeah, but like no, like Invasion of Astro Monster, uh, Godzilla versus the Thing, which is Godzilla versus Mothra, um, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Terra Mechagodzilla, those don't have Blu-ray releases yet, and they desperately need them, even if they're bare bones. If we, they they have Blu-ray releases in Japan, so there we know there's high-definition prints of them. Give me a subtitled version of that. I'm fine. I'll take fucking, that. Fucking Dragon Slayer. I wonder if that's on Blu-ray. I have no idea. Joe's apartment's not on Blu-ray, Kenneth. Yes, I would love to have that. I would love to have that on Blu-ray. Have you ever seen Dragon Slayer? I I don't think so. I was gonna say yes, but I think I was thinking of Dragonheart. Uh, everybody's seen that. Well, I'm everybody. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how you would know. Dragon Slayer is that. It, it's that. It starts off with these uh, these guys that come to that come to meet a wizard that uh, they're wanting to help slay this dragon, and he's trying to prove how good of a wizard he is, and he lets one of the knights stab him in the heart, and he quote unquote dies, and his apprentice takes up the 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 uh, the reins basically, but he's nowhere near as good. It's kind of like uh, a dragon sort of uh, Mickey Mouse from Fantasia kind of deal where the apprentice takes over and tries to do it and he ends up fucking up. Hmm. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never I've never, even heard of this. Um, but it's, it, it's a wicked fucking fantasy movie, man. Great, great, great practical effects. The dragon looked badass. Um, so yeah, if you ever get a chance to uh, to watch it, man, you definitely should because it was fucking amazing. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other movies that I need on Blu-ray that haven't been put out. Um, and that one's not got a Blu-ray release either, but I'm probably going to buy that on DVD because that was a good movie. Yeah, there's... Um, oh, man. Why, why, you normally can complain about like movies that are not on Blu-ray for hours. and um, All the Disney movies that aren't yet. Yeah, well, I, I feel like a lot of those probably will get put on there. Um can I get um, some of my creature feature movies on Blu-ray? Can I get like Shark Hunter and Komodo and Python and uh, King? Is Dead Alive on King Blu-ray? Go- Dead Alive is on Blu-ray, but it's out of print, and people are asking like two hundred dollars for that Blu-ray. That's fucking retarded, yeah, it, man. It, they need to re-put that up. It needs a goddamn re- Peter Jackson. It needs a reissue, something bad. Um, yeah, Wingnut needs to put it out again. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, trying to think of non like Godzilla kaiju movies that I need on Blu-ray. Um, damn, uh, has have they put Todd Browning's Freaks on Blu-ray? I'd love to have that on Blu-ray. I don't believe so. There's another movie that I I, I went looking for it because I couldn't remember the name of it. All I knew was something about a, a freak show circus, and there was a guy who was like half a cow or something. And I end up finding it's called Freaked, 
and it's only out on DVD, but I need to buy it again to watch it before I say it needs a Blu-ray release. Uh, I had one in my head just now, and you oh, made me f- dude, forget it. You know what needs a Blu-ray release? Perfect Blue and Wicked City. Unedited. Yeah, like those need those are two horror anime movies that if you, if you like horror but you normally don't dwell into anime, check out Perfect Blue, which is a more psychological one. Um, and then check out um, Wicked City, which is a uh, more like, you know, involving demons. Um, I want it completely unedited, both of them. Completely unedited. Fucking goddamn director's cut. I don't know that either one of those movies have a lot edited out from the American versions, but I've never watched the Japanese version, so I'm not sure. No, I just want to be sure. Because damn, from what I understand, Perfect Blue, the different, the there's major differences between the American and the Japanese release. I don't know about Wicked City, but mm. I, I think there's big ones for for the American and Japanese release. Either way, just to be sure, I want it completely unedited, completely goddamn director's cut, dubbed in English in Japanese. I want it completely fucking oh, just God. raw with English subtitles. That's we. It. We we need to do an episode on on Perfect Blue. Yeah, that would be good. That would be so good. Damn, I had one just a few minutes ago, and I can't remember what it is now. You fucking threw me off. Uh, didn't they put out Motel Hell for Blue on Blu-ray? Yeah, didn't Shot uh, Factory did yeah, that? Yeah, Shot Factory released it. Um, we we were talking about Shot Factory earlier. We love Shot Factory, but like sometimes their prices are killer when you're trying to keep up with them, like. They're putting out, like, you know, great movies, great special effects and everything like that. Or not special effects, special features and everything. But it's hard to keep up with it, like, you know, 30, 30 bucks a pop. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, for most of us out there, we don't have uh, we don't have the money to be shelling out, you know, $30 every time they put out a new movie, which, uh, which during certain peak parts of the year, hell, they're putting out a damn new Blu-ray release of a movie damn near every week. Yep, you know they're putting out uh, Tales from the Hood, right? Yeah, I know I want it. Yeah, you but there's a that. bunch of them. I told you earlier today, there's a bunch of them on there that I want, man, that are already on there. Like I wanted to get the Cabal cut of Nightbreed, I couldn't get that because uh, it was expensive as shit and it was a limited run. And then, uh, damn, I want Ginger Snaps, I want Dog Soldiers, I want uh, uh, Tales from the Hood. I wanted that version of the thing that they put out. I couldn't get my hands on that one either. Well, it you went can, too fast. Uh, are you ta- well? You can get the their release of the thing. It just it's not going to have like the posters and shit, but it has all the special the features and stuff. But uh, you know, but it's rare that I want I want additions for shit like that. Like uh, I got the uh, the complete one hundred percent special edition for Prometheus when it came out. So I've got all the crazy cool shit with it. Yeah, I I don't know. I still to this day don't know how I feel about Prometheus. I'm really waiting for the next one. Me too. We'll see what happens with that. Because um, I really think that one's going to be badass, and I'm not talking about. What's his name's alien? His next alien? Not really Scott. Not I'm not talking about the other dude. Uh, I, I can't even remember what his name is now. Because Ridley Scott's putting out basically Alien Covenant, which is going to be the sequel to Prometheus. And then you've got other dude. Uh, what the fuck is his name? I think it's like Klein Kampf or something like that. He's putting out another Alien movie that's going to. 
basically, I think it comes after two. It comes after Aliens, and it omits three in Resurrection. Well, at least he knows the right ones to admit. I didn't really have a problem with three. Well, maybe. Are you talking about the theatrical cut or the director's cut? I don't know. Yeah. I watched like, them both because I watched them in that big badass fucking when it came out. Uh, not the new releases of it, but when it when it first came out, the uh, you know that big badass Blu-ray box set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, for me, I have to watch the director's cut of Aliens three. Just like if I'm watching, um, which Halloween is it? Uh, Halloween uh, Curse of Michael Myers. That is the weird Thorn one, where he's part of the cult. Yeah, that's the one that's got uh, Paul Rudd in it. Yeah, I have to watch the producer's cut of that because the regular version of it is just terrible. But the producer's cut has way more Loomis in it. And honestly, I don't watch a a Halloween movie for Michael anymore. I I watch it for Loomis. I just want to see Loomis. He's crazy. I But yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I I think the weakest one out of the series was probably was definitely Resurrection. So, but uh I remember watching all the special features on the, uh, it was the Alien Anthology, the original release of Alien Anthology. Mm. I remember watching all the special features, man, and damn, they had a, originally they had a completely different idea for Alien 3. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We hope that, uh, you enjoyed this impromptu, um, podcast. We really didn't do like any prep work or planning really we just chose a couple subjects and decided to jump on here so i hope you like it if you did like it let us know and kenneth and i will you know maybe do some more things like this um we really hope jay is feeling better so that we can get that creature from the black lagoon podcast to you as soon as possible but jay's health comes first and plus i don't want to get thrown up on so Worst case scenario, I mean, we could have him on here when he becomes a zombie because he's got the plague. So, what do you think his opinion? Do you think his opinion stays the same if he becomes a zombie? I don't know. His opinion might change on zombies, <laughs> but uh, I don't. I I have yet to hear what his opinion is going to be. Uh, right now, I'm completely based on Jay's opinions. I I really value his opinions, by the way, but I'm completely. I'm not really basing, just I'm very, very excited to find out what his opinion was on Creature from Black Lagoon. And the reason being is because, folks, we have not had a discussion yet. And it was Creature from Black Lagoon is one of the, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, the first of his watching of the original Universal Monsters. It is his first watching. Um and we're going to do some of the other ones also. But yeah, Jay has never seen any of the uh, Universal Horror movies. Uh, we had that episode where we talked about movies that we didn't like that other people liked. And he said that it wasn't he didn't like them. He's just he's never watched them. Um, and so Kenneth and I came together and bought him a, a box set of some of the original Universal Horror movies. And uh, then we were like, OK, we're doing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Because, because that that's, that's Mount and Jerry's favorite. Yes. What's your and second favorite? It used to be Frankenstein. I think now it's probably Black Cat. 
Well, no, uh, of of the just Universal monster movies, not of all the Universal horror movies. Frankenstein. Okay, mine mine's the Wolfman. Because one hundred percent out of all the Universal horror movies, from uh, from the the thirties to uh, the end of the fifties, Black Cat one hundred percent is right. my favorite. But uh, you know, I'd probably have to go with Frankenstein. But the but like I was telling you folks, the cool thing about it is is that we are not having any conversations before we record that podcast. Before we record that podcast, everything that we say on it is going to be fresh. And we are all going to learn about each other on how we feel about this movie. Because, Jerry, I don't even think you and I have had an in-depth conversation about Creature from the Black Lagoon. No, we haven't. Uh, we've purposely not talked about it um, so that we can have this fresh outlook. And I'm I'm super excited to see what Jay thinks because this is completely outside his element. Um, but he's trying something new. And uh, I'm hoping he doesn't like just talk shit on it to spite me because of what I said on Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Jay's got more integrity than that. I mean, I don't think he would. You know, uh, no, he, he might fucking crack jokes at you, but you know, other than that, I don't think he'd completely bomb it unless he genuinely thought that it was a shitty movie. Yeah, pretty uh, much. But I mean, you know, what a lot of people don't understand that, you know did not grow up with these movies is that, you know, the universal monster movies are some of the fucking foundations for, for, for our horror genre that we have today. You know, if it hadn't been for universal monsters and all the crazy sci-fi movies of the fifties, you know, and so on, if it hadn't been for those two genres, we would not have what we have today. I don't think. I, I completely agree with you. I think the, Universal uh, monster movies are the foundation of respectable horror movies. And um, I I think without those, horror would be a much, much different genre. I think it's because of the movies we actually have some of those uh, five-star horror movies like The Exorcist and Jaws and Dawn of the Dead. Um, Because we have movies, because we had the foundation laid with universal horror. Right. And so it definitely deserves its credit. And, uh, that's the reason why we're working the way we are when it comes to this one is because me and Jerry for the utmost want to give it its credit where credit's due. So, uh, you know, unfortunately we couldn't record it tonight. Our original plan was to record it tonight. And, uh, you know, poor old Jay, he's just, way under the weather so we had to put it off again yeah because i mean guys you know life happens and life happens for us and sometimes it's just hard to get together to record and so yeah we're probably never going to have like a very strict schedule but we are planning to try to have at least two podcasts a month um and at this current point you'll have this one and creature from the black lagoon for this month um we will have it out before the end of this month like that's that's a guarantee I'll give you, and if I'm wrong, I'll um I'll give away something. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, thank you for watching or watching. Thank you for listening. Let us know um if you enjoyed this. Let us know your thoughts on what we said in this. Um, and just thank you for being here. Thank you for liking Kill the Cast. We have a Facebook group now. You can go into, hang out, chat with us. 
Um, so it's not just a Facebook fan page. You can come into a group with us and hang out and talk horror. Um, you can find it's on our Facebook. Um, you can find links to it. Um, I'll probably also have links in the description for you to check out. Um, no matter where you're watching this or watching where you're listening to this. So thank you. Come check us out on facebook.com slash kill the cast. And, uh, we will see you next time. So, uh, try not to catch the, uh, the plague like Jay did.